Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders. Go, food needs refill. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, and radio network. What do we have in store for you on this edition of the program? SEC Big Three, as we hit the halfway mark of the college football season, does the SEC officially have a Big Three? They've had more of a terrible twosome, right, for the last four or five years. Are we there? We're going to find out this weekend. Well, sort of. We're going to look into that. Also, I said halfway point of the season, right? Midterms. Gators, six games in. Knowles, six games in. The U, six games in. What do we think? So we'll dive into that as well. And also, I, you know, this is one of these things that I look at and I say to myself, I don't know how we've gotten here. When you as an adult, as a parent, green light your kid running on the field and then go on Twitter and talk about the person that hit him or tackled him is a little bish. Didn't hit him hard. Oh. The Bucks have uh, an unenviable position that the Bucks are in, and the Tampa Police Department are in, with this mother of these kids, these children in Tampa that allow their kids to run on the field, and why the Bucks haven't reacted yet, why the Tampa Police haven't reacted yet to this. It's disturbing. It's troubling. So we'll look at that as well. Remember, Harpon Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio, network. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Harp on Sports. Auditory Route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Harp on Sports YouTube channel, Harp on Sports Facebook page. And, of course, HarpOnSports.com. Start off with the Gators first. Halfway through, right? Sit here at 4-2. and two. What did I say at the beginning of the year? I said 7-5. and five. I said 7-5 and five for the Gators. 7-5, and 8-4 and four is where they're going to end up. So, you look at what they have... In the first half of the year, right? Eastern Washington, South Florida, gimmies, for the most part. Their biggest win of the year is still their first win against Utah. Checking the box against Mizzou, right? The wins that they have are, okay, Mizzou, South Florida, Eastern Washington, South Florida. Uh, Okay, Utah's still the biggest one. What, Missouri's probably their second most impressive one? over an opponent, Eastern Washington, come on. Now they start to get their hands full. Right, LSU, bye. Georgia, then at AM. South Carolina at home's even no gimme. Vanderbilt up there. Vanderbilt pushed Ole Miss. And then at Florida State, I, I look at this, I break these down into two pairs of threes. They win all their home games and steal one on the road. They're going to win eight games, have a chance to win nine. This team's going to lose two more games this year. It's just a question of where. I think it's an 8-4 and four football team. It's probably a 7-4 and four football team going into the Florida State game, and then we find out. But they are who we thought they were. It's what they are. And, <laughs> look, I, I wish I could sit here and tell you, oh, my gosh, mass improvement from Anthony Richardson. Gradual improvement. I still am fascinated how people think this is an NFL quarterback. Can't throw the ball down the field. Got a cannon. Can't read D. If you can't, if, if you're struggling to throw the ball down the field against a Missouri, if you're struggling to throw the ball vertically down the field against Kentucky, how on earth are you going to do it against NFL teams? 
scheme for the run. That doesn't work in the National Football League. They're going to bracket you and make you sit back in that pocket. Their defensive ends are going to rush up the field. You're just not going to be able to do that. You're not. So Anthony Richardson, eh, eh. And, you know, Gator fans screaming for the backup. That This is the day and age now where if a quarterback doesn't throw for 400 yards, everybody wants the backup. And as long as they've been covering Florida football, they've wanted the backup. Trask over Franks. Uh, okay. Go back even before that. Will Greer. Always want the backup. Then they wanted Richardson over Emory Jones. And now, right, who's our next backup? This is what this team wants. Backups, backup, backup. Throw the backup in there. Because it worked with Kyle Trask, right? It's one of these situations where, you know, it's not the same, but I'm going to use the Steelers as an example. Oh, my God. Get rid of Trubisky. Put Pickett in there. Whoops. Now what do you do? See, this is why it's tough to walk it back. You're going to go back now? Oh, let's let him in there. Take his lumps. Uh, okay. And college football coaches want to win now. we got to build for the future. No, I want to win now. What gives you your best chance now, today? That's how you keep your job as a head football coach. You're competitive. You're get, you get paid to win now. So, look, I, I think the progress of Anthony Richardson isn't there. Now, you can see him in big games, do what he has to do, and Billy Napier's caught, right? Do, do you try innovative and new things with him and try to get things moving? I, I, this is just, this was a building ground for him. Let's not, let's not forget, this is his first, what, he's got eight starts under his belt as a quarterback? Not even? You're going to have some growing pains here. You just are. The LSU game at home is going to be a big one for him. Mizzou, take what you can get. Defense played great. It's like the ebb and flow of a game. And Anthony Richardson, I'm not going to say he's this guy, but remember the one Super Bowl where Jake DeLome and Tom Brady duked it out in the second half? It was the ebb and flow of a football game that the Patriots were known for their defense, but the defense got lit up in the second half of the game. But it's the ebb and flow of a game. Look at Florida against Tennessee. It's the ebb and flow of a football game sometimes. Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes got into a, a shootout. What's the difference in that game? Two Raiders players run into each other, right? Renfro and Adams run into each other. That's the difference in that football game. Sometimes it's that small. So it's just the ebb and the flow of thing. And right now, Anthony Richardson, I look, to me, there are two games he's going to be judged on. Well, three games he's going to be judged on the rest of the year. The LSU is a big one, without a doubt, but he could play bad in that one and lose if he comes back. If he can knock off AM on the road and, and lead them to victory, like in the fourth quarter, do some damage against Georgia, there, there you go. Now, if they beat LSU at home and he throws for 95 yards and they win 17 to 14, I, that's not enough. Well, this is just what this team is. And I always try to remind people that when Joe Burrow won the Heisman Trophy the year before that, he came to Florida and what was that thing? 7-7 seven, seven in the fourth quarter? It's like, oh my God, it was awful. The team could throw the ball. It was just dreadful. Got to find the right guy in the right attack. And sometimes it just takes a while to read defense. It takes a while to mature. Now the day and age, you know, people come in and they're gunslingers and they're freshmen and they just throw the ball all around. I, that's the tough rub of this. But to me, where the Gators at 4-2, and two, they're about where re realistic people thought they would be. Now you look around at Florida State, they kind of gotten themselves into a weird position where they are because they started off undefeated and then lose back-to-back -back games, but then they start to get into the meat of their schedule, right? Lose to Wake Forest, have NC State beat and blow it. So now you look around your Florida State, uh-oh, here we go. Syracuse all of a sudden's undefeated and better. 
Then you, you know you got Clemson in there, and you still got Florida late in the year. So it's white knuckle time on the steering wheel for Mike Norvell. Start off, win the games that you should. You beat LSU, all right. Got a nice win under your belt. Now it's looking around, going, okay, we got to get ahead of this thing. Florida, if you're Florida State, what do you go three and six in the COVID year, three and five or whatever it was in the COVID year? Then last year go five and seven. All right. So at the beginning of the year, I thought Florida State would win eight games just because of how weak the schedule was on their part. And now they got to find a way to win some games that are borderline. The Louisville game was borderline. They, you know, if, if they can beat Syracuse, they're probably going to have a shot to get to eight wins. If they lose to Syracuse, they're going to have their hands full because they still have Clemson on the schedule. Still, what, they still have Miami on the schedule. Still have Florida on the schedule. So Mike Norvell, it, 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 by no means is this dude on the hot seat, but dude's going to have to find, going to have to beat a team that he shouldn't beat or it's a toss-up. Last two weeks, games that could have won, I don't know if they should have won Wake Forest, but they should have beat NC State, and they didn't. So if you're Mike Norvell, you got to win one of these coming up here if you want a chance at eight wins. So that's where they sit. And, again, I look at Miami and Mario Crystal Ball there. I, they are just – it's going to take him a It's going to take him a while. It's just going to take him a while to, to get things rocking. I thought, well, look, talent-wise, they had a chance also to be 8-4, and 9-3, and three just based on they were talent-wise – they're just not getting consistent enough play on both sides of the ball to do that. So, you know, the Florida State Miami winner probably going to win eight games. Losers not. So I think it's pretty much that simple. I do. So that's where we sit in the big three. The big three in the state are all going to go to bowl games. Are the big three in the state all going to play on New Year's Day games? I don't think they're there quite yet. But all three college football teams in the state of Florida could win eight games this year, which is a far cry from years past, right? So that is where we sit with that. Uh, speaking of college football, the SEC – Big three in the SEC? Are we to a big three yet? And it's funny because the one consistent the last 15 years in the Southeastern Conference has been who? It's been Alabama, right? Alabama and who are the other big three? Well, a decade ago, it was Alabama, LSU, and Arkansas, right? How soon we forget? Alabama, LSU, and Arkansas. Then LSU started to fade, started to fade. Florida flirted for a couple years. South Carolina was right there, too, and it became kind of like this Alabama, LSU, South Carolina, Florida thing, and Auburn would stick its head up, and it'd be Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and then, oh my gosh, but the winner out of the East is going to get skull drug, which Alabama killed Florida twice, and then, okay, what are we going to have? Are we going to have anybody that's going to compete out of the East? Well, here comes Georgia, and then Auburn would stick their head up, but Alabama was the consistent one. Last year, what did we have? We had Alabama, Georgia. That was pretty much it, right? But, you know, A&M would peek their head at the last few years. A&M, hey, what about us? Two years ago, A&M won double digits right there. Florida, right there. So Florida sticks their head up. A&M would stick their head up every now and then. Ole Miss last year, like, hey, we're, we're the third one. We're the big third. Nobody has established themselves as the, the, the big three in the SEC. Well, Alabama and Georgia are one, two, so who's three? Ole Miss is undefeated, but here's Tennessee. Tennessee says, us. We are. Okay, here's your shot. Here's your shot. Tennessee has never beaten Nick Saban at Alabama. What is he, 15-0 against him? 16-0 against him? Here's your shot. Here's your shot. Now, if Tennessee beats Alabama, does that mean Tennessee's the third, established themselves as the big three? No. I think you need a little more consistency there. Even the Big Ten deals with us, right? The big three in the, the Big Ten. We know it's Ohio State and Michigan. Four years ago, it was just Ohio State. Michigan got into the top 10 and, you know, had a close game in Columbus, didn't beat them. 
you know, one of the Urban Meyer years, and oh gosh. And then, look, the Big Ten was the Big Two. It was Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin would flirt every now and then, right? Northwestern would stick their head in there, but nobody was legitimate over in the West, and nobody still is. Iowa last year, but nobody's legitimate in the West. Do you have a Big Three in the Big Ten? We're about ready to find out. Penn State, Michigan. Penn State goes into Ann Arbor and wins. Okay, now we can have that debate. We can start to have that discussion. Little need a little more consistency than one year, right? It's been what six years since Penn State went to the Rose Bowl, had a double-digit win season. James Franklin with a win in Ann Arbor not only says, "Hey, we're the Big Three. Penn State says, "Hey, baby, we got a chance at this college football playoff thing." The win over Michigan, you bet you we do. So there's a lot on the line. So those, like I look at those two conferences. Looking for a big three when I'm looking around at other conferences, I can't even find a big two in any other conference. Really, in the ACC, you got Clemson, then what, Syracuse? You're going to try to fly that flag up the flagpole? What else are you going to say in the ACC? Right? Wake? <laughs> NC State? Won't work, right? It's Clemson. And there was a time five years ago, six years ago, it was Clemson and Florida State. Big two never got quite to the third one. The Big 12, whatever. I, I mean, it, it just changes all the time. A couple years ago, it was Oklahoma. Texas was kind of flirting, but you had Baylor and Oklahoma State. You kind of had this thing. Now, it's what? Seriously, was Oklahoma State the best team in the Big 12? You there at TCU? I, so the Big 12, a Big 3, I can't even find a 1. Not right now. Not consistently. In the Pac-12, good luck. I think it's Utah now. Oregon? Again, four or five years ago, what was it? It was Washington was there. You had some a model. Oregon, you had a model of consistency. Now, so it's interesting as we start to move forward here with the college football playoff and when it goes to, to 12 from four and when that debate starts, you're, the SEC, you know, we thought, we thought a couple years ago, Dan Mullen had, we had Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. And then Auburn was in there at A&M. Okay, we got, we got a big three now. And then Florida drops off. Here comes A&M. All right, A&M drops off. It, no, you, you can't have that consistent third team. The only consistent in the SEC for the last 15 years has been Alabama. Now it's Georgia. Big 10, it's Ohio State. And, then, and now it's Michigan. Or Penn State and Tennessee. It's contender or pretender weekend for those two, isn't it? It is. And, you know, Notre Dame lurks out there on their own island. So, Tennessee, Penn State, demand respect. Well, here's your chance. Penn State's on the road. Tennessee's at home. Win. Win. And then, does the conference go through you? I don't think so, right? Because Tennessee's still got to go to Athens and take on Georgia and Penn State. Penn State does host Ohio State. So, I guess if Penn State beats Michigan, Penn State can say the Big Ten comes through us. And they're probably right. That game's probably going to be a wide out against the Buckeyes. Probably white. Tennessee, even with a win, I don't know if you can say it goes through you. But it definitely makes things interesting because, let's face it, a win, this is how screwy this is. A Tennessee win over Alabama, then makes that Alabama Ole Miss. If Ole Miss can win it, knock Alabama out. Raise your hand. You know, you, you start to look around and go, no way. Is this possible? You know, Ole Miss-Tennessee SEC championship game? Wouldn't that be something? What to wrap with this. Uh, the Twitter name Maya Che or Chea, whatever. My old producer, Zach Blobner, thumbs up to him in Tampa, WDAE. Got the recording of this lady, her kid on the field. 
and they're arguing whether it's a boy or a girl on Twitter. I don't care. Person can't drive. Person's not in high school. You know, the mom says it's 10. The police said no, older than that, but it's still a minor. Can't release the information. Regardless of any of that crap, doesn't matter. This is a mom that kid ran on the field and was bragging about it afterwards. Now, I'm not going to get into debate. Oh, this is awful parroting. This is what's wrong with society. No, 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 no. No. What's wrong is the accountability factor. The fact that the Buccaneers didn't ban her and this family immediately is beyond me. And when you're a mind, think about bad parenting to a, to a new level or a new scale. But when you're a mom and you're talking with your kid and say, go boy, go. And you can watch the tweet. You can see the Twitter, the, the video everywhere. And people argue, you hit that kid too hard. Well, if you're on, I don't know if it's a kid on the field. I don't know if it's a kid. I don't know if it's a little person. You can't tell. And somebody's running at me from 30 yards away. I close in. Oh my gosh, it's a kid. I, I don't run on fields. I remember once there was a guy that ran on the field in Philly and they tased him. It's like, he's got a heart condition. Well, don't run on the field then. It, it's not exactly the same thing, but if you're a kid and you've got a knife and you're charging a, a authority figure, they may shoot you, right? You got to kind of, this is one of these things. You don't kind of mess around with those things. You just don't, you can't, you can't afford to. But the worst part of this is the mom on Twitter saying the security guard was saying the mom said, Oh, he's good. Her child's good. But the security guard, the person that hit him is a little bitch. Uh, okay. You're lucky. The security guard didn't just pummel him. And regardless, Hey, Tampa PD charge her a child neglect, letting your kid run on the field, charge her. If you don't charge her, if the Tampa Police Department or whatever jurisdiction you want to nail this in, if you're the Bucks and you don't suspend the, these people for life, or at least suspend them for two years, do something. And if you're the Tampa Police Department, you don't charge her, you're going to have four kids on the field next game. Seriously, what's to stop? If you're the police department, you don't do anything. And you're the Bucks, you don't do anything. And three more kids run on the field this weekend. Now what are you going to do? I guess it'd be a couple weeks away since they're on the road, right? Coming up, but you got to do something. Tampa, hey, Tampa PD, charge her. That's child endangerment, child neglect. Bucks, ban them. And I'm not one of these authoritative, you got to rule over people with an iron fist. If you're running on the field, you're gone. Gone. If I'm a sports team and you run on the field, I'm banning you forever. And in this case, it's a kid. It's not a joke. It's not. You're going to get copycat crimes. Tampa PD, Buccaneers, step up. Charge her. Ban the kid, ban, ban the family. If you don't want to ban, ban him until he's an adult. Ban all of them until he turns 18. Whether that's seven years from now, five years, whatever. Family doesn't get to come back. That's not right. Well, don't run on fields then. It won't happen to you. Harpon Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harpon Sports Twitter, at Harpon Sports Instagram. Harpon Sports, auditory route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Harpon Sports YouTube channel. Harp on Sports, the Facebook page, and of course, harponsports.com. Remember, stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Go Chiefs. Frankenstein. Have fun with your friends.